Hey guys, Daniel Hill here. You can find me on Instagram at Daniel Hill Media and welcome to my podcast. Now I have been really not doing as well with the podcast as I would have liked because I've been really focused on doing my flash briefing. If you're not listening to my flash briefing, you can go to amazon.com and search the Instagram stories and you can find where I give daily news updates every day about the platform. Whatever new features are being added, articles that people have posted that have strategies or other valuable content that I think you can benefit from. And every day I do a question of the day where people either send me questions, where people send in questions about Instagram. If you have questions or you would like to have your question featured on the show, send me a direct message on Instagram at Daniel Hill Media. And what's even better is if you send me a voice recording of you saying who you are, giving your Instagram handle, then asking the question, I'll play it on the show and people can engage with you and give you feedback on your question as well. Now, today's podcast, I interview Megan Van Grohl. Megan is a social media strategist and creative. She gives tons of valuable insight, especially when it comes to creating a customer persona for who your ideal follower would be and how to find relevant hashtags that will benefit you much more than some of the other hashtags that may be very relevant, but also have huge numbers of people using them. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you have a chance, please leave me a review on iTunes or on amazon.com. You can leave a review for the Instagram stories in either place. It will help other people to find this podcast or my daily flash briefing and benefit them as well. Here's today's episode. Today on the podcast, we have Megan Van Grohl. Megan, welcome. Thanks, Daniel. So, Megan, please, for those of us who don't know you, can you tell us who you are and what it is you do exactly? Yeah, so um, my name is Megan Van Grohl, and I am a social media strategist and consultant. Um, I kind of found a path to this a little bit um, unconventionally. I'm also an artist and a travel blogger. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) It is. um, It's too much probably, but um, I have a lot of passions. So I just sort of embrace them all. (laughs) That's awesome. How did you start working with clients when it came to Instagram? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I, so I probably need to back up a little bit. Um, I have been working as a social media strategist in various capacities for um, the past several years. Um, as an artist, I kind of, I got started with an art degree and I, um, had a job that was not necessarily fulfilling my passions right out of school. And so what I did is sort of did a career change into marketing, which became more specific, um, you know, around social media as I discovered how much I loved that. Um, and so eventually I I found my way to the agency world and I worked at the Richards group, which is the largest independent advertising agency in the country. And I worked on some pretty big brands there. And I really feel like even though I had marketing jobs before I got there, that's really where I cut my teeth. Um, and so I took one other job after after I left the Richards group. Um, and then the real, uh, the real change that happened that caused me to start working with my clients directly um, is that I got laid off from that job um, earlier this year. So, um, you know, there were a lot of layoffs going on at the time, so it kind of wasn't a big surprise, but it was definitely a shock for me because 
I'm like that straight A student perfectionist who like never has been fired before or anything like that. So it was um, it was definitely a shock. But I knew, okay, like as an artist, all artists are entrepreneurs. I knew I wanted to work for myself. And so that's why I took the leap um, earlier this year. I made the decision to just go all out and um, be vocal about it. And within I mean, just a few weeks, I had my first client. And now I'm about a little over six months in and I have three clients. Um, and the primary platform that they're all using is Instagram. So, um, you know, I had experience working with Instagram and the agency side um, back when I was employed full time by an agency. Um, and it's been really cool to just watch all the changes that have happened with Instagram over the past few years. Um, so that's how I got started working with my clients and focusing a lot on Instagram. Awesome. If I can go back to the beginning of what you said, because I didn't want to interrupt. Um, you had mentioned that you had a particular job and you said, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm going to go back to the drawing board and change and kind of focus on my passions. If somebody was to do that, like say they have a nine to five and, and they don't love it and they want to do something else similar to what you're doing, what would you recommend? Would you recommend for them to niche down super specifically and say, you know what, I just want to do Instagram for hairstylists? Or would you say, you know, kind of go with the broad stroke of saying I do marketing and then kind of refine and decide from there? What would you say would be the best way to do it if you had to do it all over again? Well, I think that I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of having a niche and being as specific as possible because it it's a really great marketing tool for you to um, just sort of weed out all the people who aren't right for you and for the people who are right for you to say hell yes this is this is exactly what I need. Um, but if you are at a point where you don't feel super confident in your skills yet or you're just sort of starting out and you are learning a lot, um, you know my best advice at that point is to just get whatever experience you can. Um, so when I was in that phase of my career, I had marketing jobs, but I, you know, social media was not the focus of my job. It was just sort of something that I, I like struggled to, um, to get my hands on. Right. So I, um, I asked for extra responsibilities to be able to, um, to get more hands on experience with that. And then I also, um, took a volunteer position with a local nonprofit, um, here in Dallas called Art Conspiracy and joined the executive team there and got a lot more experience there too. And that actually, you know, that plus my network helped me get the agency job that I was looking for. So it's kind of, yes, if you can get, if you can get really, um, if you can niche down, if you can get really specific, that's always going to help you, but it sort of depends on what phase you're at. And even now, that's a good point. Yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, no worries. Um, like even now as uh, a freelance, you know, full-time freelance social media consultant, um, I, I hear all this advice, like you, you should stick to certain verticals or certain industries, be the social media consultant for, you know, restaurants or hotels or, you know, just something like that. But um, I don't, I'm not comfortable doing that yet. And I don't think it's hurting me yet. Um, I'm focusing more on differentiating in terms of my style and my approach and leaning on a lot of the experience that I got earlier in my career. Um, but it, it does help if you if you're just like, you know, this is the particular vertical or industry that you want to focus on the sooner and the earlier that you can niche down the better. But again, it really fo it really depends on, um, you know, what your broader like skills that you need to develop are. Awesome. 
Okay, so let's talk about strategies. I know you work with small business owners, but also some medium-sized business owners, which is a little bit different for me. I usually focus on the the small business owner. What strategies have you been recommending for um, business owners on Instagram? And and I guess kind of a two-part. Number one, if they're just starting out. And number two, if they've had some success, but not as much as they'd like. So if you want to take those one at a time. Sure. Um, so I actually feel like with Instagram, um, there's not a whole lot of difference between the size of your company or um, where you're starting out. Um, it really, the the different approaches and strategies that I recommend depend on whether you're more service-based or product-based. Um, because the principles behind what makes for a successful Instagram presence, they're the same. Um, regardless of you're, you know, a Fortune 100 company or you're a mom and pop, you know, brick and mortar, um, local business. So, I mean, I recommend, um, you know, kind of just in terms of table stakes, um, making sure that your your Instagram presence is, you know, it looks visually interesting and well curated and beautiful and planned out. A lot of times people will plan out posts one by one, but they won't consider their their grid, if you will, as a whole and seeing how all the posts come together. So I think it's important to kind of batch your content so that you can kind of see how it all looks together. Um, but more than that, it's it's really important to be proactive about engaging with other people on the platform. You really can't just post and dash. That doesn't work anymore. Um, if you want to get in front of people, you have to be interacting and you have to be engaging with people, um, following them, liking the, their content, um, leaving, you know, authentic, meaningful comments, um, not just sort of like, nice, <laughs> you know, or like an emoji, <laughs> um, you know, because then it's like, okay, that's probably a bot. Um, but, you know, so being being social, you know, I mean, that's, that's sort of what a lot of people are advocating, but it actually doesn't really happen that much, um, especially if you don't have a lot of experience on Instagram and you don't yet know exactly what works or you don't have someone helping you um, with that expertise. So, um, you know, being being really thoughtful and um, engaging in terms of getting out there and just interacting with people, because um, otherwise they're not going to see your content that much. Even if you use all the right hashtags and you're strategic about the hashtags that you're using, you know, not using hashtags with millions and millions of posts, because then you're never going to get found in that hashtag. Um, but also making sure that your hashtags are really relevant. Um, and that they're going to pull in the people who would be your ideal customer. Um, you know, sometimes it's helpful to to use hashtags on your Instagram posts that are describing you. Um, like, you know, for me, hashtag social media consultant. Um, but, you know, if my ideal customer isn't searching that hashtag, they might be searching hashtags like related to their industry. So, you know, hashtag, you know, real estate or, you know, your city real estate. Um, or business owner or something like that. You kind of have to get inside their heads a little bit um, and and figure out what hashtags they're using and they're searching for and focus on that just as much as you would focus on like the self-describing hashtags. Um, so basically you're reverse engineering it to see what people <laughs> are searching for and then using those. That, that makes total sense. Yeah, and it's a struggle, um, you know, I think for any business owner to figure out what that is, especially if you don't have a ton of, um, you know, proprietary customer research. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I advocate for developing a customer persona, um, a, a set of personas of the your ideal customers so that you kind of get in their heads a little bit and understand 
what their, you know, not just demographics, but psychographics are, you know, what what's kind of going on behind the scenes there in their heads. Um, and that, yeah, and that applies no matter the size of your business. I mean, it, it's just sort of universal. Um, awesome. Can I go on to the next question? Do you want to keep talking about this? Yeah. I feel like we could talk about this topic I know, all day. I could. I, I had some notes that I was just looking at. Um, yeah, so I haven't talked about stories yet, but I think that when we talk about, when you ask the question about new features of the platform, I like, I'll probably focus on that too, because I've got some some things to say. Okay, um, let's, let's go to that then. So okay. what new features of Instagram have you been encouraging clients to use? Um, so I am a big fan of stories. Um, I forget the exact stat, but um, I read something somewhere that said that stories are going to outpace feeds in terms of content consumption within the next like year or two. Um, and if you and if you do look at like the user behavior, people are posting a lot more frequently on stories than they are on Instagram, you know, just their general feed. Um, and so I'm, I find myself kind of focusing, you know, when I'm creating content calendars for my clients, I'm focusing more on the stories than I am on the grid, um, on, on the, you know, three by three posts that we're creating. It's still important because it gives, you know, your audience a quick chance to kind of get to know what you're about and understand your brand. Um, but stories are where you get to let your hair down a little bit more and you get to show more of a behind the scenes um, approach. Um, and more and more stories are also good for discovery, for getting new people in front of your content, too, if you use the right hashtags. Um, so, can I ask, can yeah, ask a question about that. You said you plan out content for stories, right? Are you using an app or something like, you know, I, I know Planoly, I know later um, different apps like that where you can plan your posts. Are there any that let you plan stories? Because that is a question I have never thought of until you just said that. Um, so when I say plan the stories, there's kind of two things going on there. There's I know that something is going to happen on a certain day and I'm writing out recommendations for how to capture that content if I'm not going to okay. be there. Because, you know, I, I create the content and I plan it, but there's a lot of real time stuff that happens that um, I simply cannot be present for. And so it's a matter also of educating my client on how to do that. Um, so like an event or something similar? An event. Um, yeah, even just, you know, do a walking tour of your facility and, you know, introduce a few people, you know, who are on your team, that kind of thing. Um, but to the degree that I, there are stories that are a little bit more evergreen and I do plan those out in advance, um, I'm, I've been experimenting with a few apps, but I can't recommend any of them yet. What I really use is Canva. Um, because it gives you, you know, I use the, I use the paid version of Canva, Canva, where you get to put your brand fonts in your brand palette and all that. So, um, it just kind of has a little bit more of a sophisticated, like on brand look. Um, so can, can we talk about what, if, if you've never used Canva, how would you sum it up in 30 seconds? If somebody's not real great with design stuff. They're just like a more, you know, let me get it done so I can focus on my business kind of person. Uh -huh. Can you just talk for 30 seconds about what's so, what, what's so great about Canva? Sure. So um, Canva is a web-based graphic design software that is incredibly easy to use, even if you have no graphic design skills whatsoever. Um, and it's, it's like if you, can, if you can mess around with PowerPoint, you can use Canva. Um, but it allows you to do a whole lot more. And there's also templates that you can use to just kind of, 
you know, plug in different images or different text and make it your own. So it's guided in that sense, too. So you don't have to just you're not starting from a blank slate every time you create something. Um, and you can easily resize your images. So if you create something that's a square for Instagram, but you want to use the same elements for a story, you can resize to the dimensions of an Instagram story. You'll have to, you know, play with it and move some things around. Um, but it allows you to, it's just really flexible and easy to use. Um, I, you know, despite being an artist, I don't have a ton of like Photoshop, InDesign, you know, um, illustrator skills. Uh, I've been a creative director, <laughs> but I'm more than anything just sort of telling the team what to do. Um, so I like Canva because I, you know, I'm a little bit more in a, of an advanced user, but I know also that I can create templates that are unique to my clients' brands, share those templates with them, and they can use them themselves. So it's sort of empowering the client too. If I were to do all of my work in Photoshop, then none of my clients would ever be able to access those files and and manipulate them themselves because they don't have access to the software. So to me, it's also a, a matter of just giving my clients the power to do what they need to do um, with the content and not, you know, keep it all so close to my vest. That's just sort of my philosophy with um, with clients. I believe very much in training them and educating them and giving them the tools they need to do this themselves to some degree. They're still going to want me to do it <laughs> for the most sure. part. But um, but yeah, that's the big reason why I use it actually with my clients, not just the ease of use, but making sure they have they can access everything and change it themselves. So if someone wants to use Canva and this is sounding pretty good to them, what are the costs involved in doing some of the things that you've talked about for Canva? So um, Canva has a free version, um, but the paid version that I use, which allows you to upload custom fonts and set different brand palettes. So you have your all your colors right there. Um, I believe that's $15 a month. So that's what I'm paying. Yeah. Okay. So... Can we talk a little bit about authenticity? Because you touched on that earlier, and I think that's a really, really important topic. When you talk about authenticity, and I know you're working on a guide, and I would really like you to <laughs> mention about that guide too. Sure. But but what does it actually mean to be authentic? Like, I think for to a certain extent, you know, we may have personal accounts. I know a lot of people have a personal account and a business account, and they show you know the authentic stuff on the personal, but it's all brand and and um, business sounding on the business account, how did they actually be authentic? What does that mean? And how does that come? How does that translate? Yeah, authentic is a word that is so overused right now, especially in the digital marketing space that it's basically meaningless to a lot of people. Um, but it's still an important concept. It's just, I can, I totally empathize with anyone who's like, Oh, God, don't tell me to be authentic again. Um, so if you hear that word, and you sort of groan internally when you hear it, just replace that word with like transparent or sincere or genuine or unfiltered or raw. Um, and so really, it's just about kind of letting your guard down. And I believe this is something that um, brands should be doing just as much as people um, if they really want to build trust. Because being transparent, not being afraid to be a little bit vulnerable and sharing a little bit of the messy side of your business that builds trust with your with your customers. So just posturing less, um, being being a little bit more human. Um, those are those are the things that I'm talking about when I when I talk about being authentic um, with 
with your Instagram account, you know, specifically. So, I mean, that can that can sort of start by just showing people the people behind your brand, you know, not being so focused on products or what you do or, you know, how how you help people, um, but actually kind of taking a cue from Humans of New York and sharing, you know, portrait photography of your staff, of your customers, um, of yourself, um, and pairing that with a story that, you know, helps people get to know that person a little bit more. And so, okay, can I, can I ask you a couple questions about that? I agree with everything you're saying to, you know, but if, if somebody is nervous about being too raw, Mm -hmm. you know, what if they're scared that they say something and, you know, one of their biggest customers sees it and doesn't like it. And now they lost a customer. Cause I think that's a really uh, valid fear that a lot of people have. I'm not saying that it is going to happen. I think it's unfounded in a lot of ways, but I think that's what a lot of people think. They're going to expose themselves a little bit and someone's going to get upset and not give them money because of it. How do you help clients to kind of get past that idea? Um, So I do understand that. Um, I think that more often than not, the people who have that fear and let it keep them from being a little bit more transparent are, I think once they try it once, they they'll realize that um, it just endears you so much more than it will, you know, potentially hurt you. However, right. people are attracted to that yes. authenticity. And, and I mean, I, there I use the word again. We, we said, <laughs> but I think people are, people are attracted to that rawness. Like I, one of my favorite things to do, I've only had this happen once is when you go to a restaurant and you get to like walk in through the kitchen to go into the dining room yeah. and you see what's really going on. And my wife gets excited whenever we go to restaurants with like that open kitchen kind of thing where we can see how the food is being made. She says, oh, that's a sign of a good restaurant. And and I agree. But I think when you show the behind the scenes, people want to see that the same way I want to walk through the kitchen to go to a restaurant. I want to see that. Other people want to see that. And that does endear people to you and what you're doing if you can show that in a way that's interesting. Yeah, that's actually a really great analogy, the open kitchen concept, because, you know, I was just about to say also that there's there's definitely a line between um, being transparent and like airing your dirty laundry, you know, and showing a little bit too messy of a side behind your business. And so this goes back to knowing your customer um, and also just kind of using common sense about um, what they would want to see. And um, the longer you do this, the easier it gets, you know, to kind of um, hone your instincts on that. But because the open kitchen concept, you get to see what's going on. But I guarantee they are being a little bit more clean they're being a oh, little absolutely. bit more orderly, you know, because they know so. they're on display. Yeah. So, right. and that's, that main, that the stuff they may be doing to be a little bit more clean or whatever may have nothing to do with hygiene and all to do with aesthetics. Um, and so it's, it's good to show people a little bit more of, you know, behind the scenes about your business, but be, be smart about it, you know, um, let people just give people more of a glimpse into, um, the, the the humans behind your business um, and the the real stuff that goes on behind the scenes um, because it's more relatable. Um, but, you know, nobody likes that person who complains all the time on social media. Um, and so it's really, it's the same thing with business. Um, you know, you, you don't want to be too negative. You want to always be positive at the end of the day. Even if something crappy happened to you, use it as a lesson to, you know, talk about what you know, what you learn from it and, and turn it into something useful for other people. 
can we go back to one thing that you said before? Um, you mentioned that you could use your employees, use your customers in posts. If someone's nervous to ask a customer to be in a post, what might you say to them? How would you kind of phrase it? Because I think a, plenty of customers would love to do it, but just kind of getting over that hurdle to ask sometimes is the bigger deal. Um, yeah, so I think it, it probably helps if at first you you start treating it like it's a regular series. Um, and so other people can, you know, probably the first one or two are going to be the most difficult to get. Um, but, you know, at that point, you're reaching out to your your best customers, the ones that you have the closest relationship with um, and who you, you kind of sense are going to be a little bit more open to it. Once you do the first one or two, I really feel like the rest are going to be a lot easier because people see it and they understand what what it's going to be about. And then I think also framing that as celebrating their wins and not, you know, making it about you um, and making it about your customer and um, giving them a chance to brag a little bit. I think that will help kind of overcome some of that as well. Um, yeah. I think what's really nice about that is it gives your customers some exposure. So your customers are probably on Instagram already. They want to have a following. They want to connect with other people in the community. Maybe they already are. But to have that uh, opportunity to get in front of the people who follow your business, because chances are like-minded people shop at the same place, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're a health food store, for instance, and you feature the guy who comes in every week who's training for a bodybuilding competition. I don't know. I'm just coming up with an <laughs> example, right? But, but if you feature him, you know, here's one of our favorite customers, here's what he's doing, here's what's going on. I bet that there's a bunch of other bodybuilders who come into that health food store too for the same kind of stuff. And now they can connect for whatever uh, level or conversation or interaction they choose to have. Or maybe next time they see each other at your store that, hey man, yeah, I saw your post. And, this and, and I, I think that's a really great way to build a community among your customers, which is something that costs very little, but keeps people coming back for the long term, right? Yeah, that's totally true. Um, and I also think that it's become a lot more common to see people um, just giving you giving their their followers new people to follow. So follow Friday or something like that, where um, you're just highlighting somebody else and you're saying, go follow this person. Um, it looks collaborative. It looks um, interactive. It looks it, it just looks like a, a good time. And no, and it's really common now. And so I think it's less of a a weird, you know, this is something new I'm trying. It's um, it's pretty typical to do that. And it's it's a good idea. I mean, it just, like you said, people, um, you know, birds of a feather flock together and whatnot. So um, it, it, it gives them exposure and it helps you because you look like a cool person for telling people to go follow them. So, yeah. Right. You become the connector. Yes, absolutely. exactly. So Megan, if you don't mind, can you tell us where we can find you online, how we can see all the cool stuff that you're working on and what you're going to be doing next. Yeah, so um, I am working on a, a free guide called How to Be Magnetic in 2019. <clears throat> it's a, a... Awesome title. Awesome title. <laughs> Thanks. It's meant to be sort of a brief guide on future-proofing your content. Um, and this is based on my own observations about the way content... Um, the way that, you know, the high performing content is changing. Um, it's, it's a lot to do with Instagram and social media, but a lot of these principles are going to apply to just digital marketing in general and branding. Um, and so it's a little bit of a trend forecast. Um, it's a little bit manifesto cause I'm pretty opinionated on this stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's also just filled with practical tips on how to actually take these ideas and apply them. 
Um, you know, because I, I definitely believe in in taking a very um, rigorous approach to your content planning. And, you know, 2019 is it, 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 right now is a great time to be planning for how you're going to approach content in the next year um, and then monthly and quarterly content calendars. And so this is a great time to just kind of level set on what's going to be our our creative approach. Um, and so that is, I'm working on it right now, um, putting finishing touches on it. By the time this comes out, it should be out. Um, and people can download that for free on my website at askmvg.com slash free guide. Um, and people can also find me on Instagram. My handle is um, hey.mvg. Awesome. Megan, thank you so much for coming on and talking today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. That's it for today's podcast. Hopefully you found it helpful and beneficial. If you have just a moment, please go on iTunes and search the Instagram stories to leave me a review. Or if you prefer, you can also go on amazon.com, search the Instagram stories, find my daily flash briefing and subscribe to it. And you'll be able to write a review there as well, which will help other people to find this content. Thanks for listening.